so many great gigs this week. Had a great time. I played in Biddulph and then in Bury, just outside of Manchester. Folks at the Met are always great to me. And went to Doncaster, Brosley. Got to see my friend Caroline in Brosley. Nottingham. Got to stay with my buddy James. And uh, now I'm in Zurich. Played a great gig last night in Zurich, Switzerland. And uh, the folks there just have been really, really good to me over the last couple of years and had a really good crowd. And tomorrow night I play in Solitern, Switzerland. Never been there, kind of excited about it, but that'll be the last gig of the tour, and then I get to go home. Been a really good tour, but it, it tires you out. I've been out on the road for over three weeks, and what can I say? It's been a really good time, but I'm looking forward to sleeping in my own bed. Hi friends, this is Otis Gibbs and you're listening to Thanks for Giving a Damn. I'm sitting here in my hotel room in Zurich, Switzerland. It's been a great tour, but I'm looking forward to getting home. This is a personal journal. This is a bit of an experiment. I like to say right up front that I haven't the slightest idea what I'm doing, but I decided to do it anyway. And this show was founded with the idea that there are only two people in art that matter. There's the creative individual and the person experiencing it. And everything else is an artificial filter. This is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. I'm going to try something a little bit different this week. On August 19th, 2014, my new record will be released in the United States. It's been released for a couple weeks now over in Europe, but it's going to make it to the U.S. And I'm pretty excited about that, and I'd like to share some stories with you guys about this record and about the making of it and maybe a little bit about where some of the songs came from. And I'm not the type of person that likes to talk about, you know, where song ideas come from. I really don't like it when people tell me what a song is about. It might mean something completely different to me. So I'm going to try to be a little bit vague when I can. And I love it when a person walks up to me and tells me what this song means to them, if anything. I love it when it has nothing to do with anything I originally intended. I think that's the beauty of songs. That's the beauty of art, as it can be taken in so many different ways. When you're creating something, you're not thinking about the process or all the ingredients and all of that. You're simply in the moment doing whatever work you're doing. And that's when you're doing it best is when you just aren't, aren't thinking of all these things. So when people ask me during interviews, those sort of questions, I really can't stand it. I don't have a good answer. I don't like to even think about those things. I'd rather be in the moment creating. So uh, it always seems a little bit strange to me. But what I'm going to try to do is tell a few stories that are loosely based, you know, and might lead you into some of these songs in whatever way possible. And we'll see if we can do this. But here's a few stories about my new record, Souvenirs of a Misspent Youth. As we pulled into Milwaukee, I could feel my head and back begin to sway. After riding 13 hours, I was ready to get my feet off of the train. Reminded of what happened in Wichita, St. Paul, and Abilene Somewhere in the distance I was followed by the darker side of me 
I stumbled through the city looking for a place that I could lay my head But first I needed work because it'd been a couple days since I'd been fed On the shores of Lake Michigan I found a spot where I could finally breathe I slept next to the water and I dreamt about the darker side of me When I woke I found a fishing boat loading up its nets to meet the day The captain walked up to me and offered me a job and a place to stay He promised he'd feed me and I could sleep inside the boat when the day was done I could feel the darkness fading as we sailed off in the early morning sun The next two months were filled with the longest days that I'd ever seen The work was never ending and I barely had the time to eat or sleep We hauled 400 pounds of salmon from the cold and frigid water every day After all my days of toiling I forgot about the darker side of me When the season finally ended I went and asked the captain for my pay When I walked into his office, he claimed he didn't have a dime for me He said I owed him money for sleeping inside his boat every night When I heard the bogus charges, I could feel the darkness churning deep inside I closed the door behind me and offered him a chance to come clean I'm here for all my money and I'm not the type of man that walks away He laughed and spit at me and said there ain't no way in hell I'm getting paid But his laughter fell to silence as I introduced him to the darker side of me As I pulled out of Milwaukee I could feel my head and back begin to sway I'll be riding 13 hours and I'm ready to get my feet off of the train Reminded of what happened in Galesburg, Flagstaff and Milwaukee Somewhere in the distance I keep running from the darker side of me If we meet inside a boxcar may you never see the darker side of me my best buddy, Todd Fox, who uh, has been my best friend for over 20 years, taught me everything I know about photography. Just all around great guy. One of my favorite, actually my favorite travel partners. We, I love it when we get to, I get to be on the road with him. But we were wanting to 
travel to Romania probably 13 or 14 years ago, and we didn't know anything about it, but we wanted to go. I started looking online, just trying to find out some information, and somehow I ended up on some obscure message board. And I met a guy on that message board who said he was from Romania. And as we were talking, you know, back and forth, somehow I decided, okay, we're going to go there and this guy's going to drive us around and show us Romania. We'll pay him a little bit of money and he'll show us the countryside. Of course, we know nothing about this guy, nothing at all. This is completely stupid. We know nothing about him and we just figure, hey, he's on a message board. It's got to be legit. So we flew over to Europe and I don't remember where we flew into, but we took a train down from Budapest and uh, we were going to go down and meet him in some small village somewhere in Romania. So we were going through Hungary on this train, and the Hungarian trains aren't that nice, but when we got past the Romanian border, we changed over into a Romanian train, and man, those aren't nice at all. There were chickens on the train. I seem to remember somebody got on with a pig, and it was just rickety and rocking as we were going you know, further south, and I kept thinking of that part of Bram Stoker's Dracula, the part of the novel at the beginning when the guy's talk coming in on a stagecoach and he says he's overcome with this feeling of impending doom. And I kept feeling that way. And Todd and I started talking about it and we're like, man, we really messed up this time. We really messed up because we don't know who we're meeting. You know, we get off the train right before we get off. We start making these plans. We're convinced that we're going to get jumped and we're going to get mugged and beat up and robbed and you know it's going to go really bad so we try we try to make some plans of how we're going to deal with this and how we're going to you know fight our way off to find some police or something when we get off the train this guy walks up to us his name's radu and uh he's like hey i'm the guy you've been waiting for and and uh, he says i have a hotel ready for you guys so we've already planned when we get to this hotel one of us are going to stand outside on the street while the other walks in So if the other doesn't come out and say it's all right, at least one of us get to run. And I think that person was Todd. We show up at this hotel, walk inside. You know, it's it's nice. Everything's legit. Radu ends up being a great guy, and he takes great care of us and becomes a really, really good friend of ours. And um, we drove around for a few days, and we went through the countryside. He showed us, you know, we went to walking with shepherds in the Carpathian Mountains, hiking way up into the Carpathians. And we got to meet these people in these small villages. It was really inspiring. People that were completely self-sufficient and were able to make the most amazing wool sweaters that you've ever seen. They would knit them themselves. We had food. I don't know what it was, but some of it was good. Some of it was really frightening. But as we were driving through the Carpathian Mountains, it was a really bad snowstorm. There were probably four or five inches of snow on the ground already. We came across this little girl hitchhiking over the top of the mountain. And like I said, there was four or five inches of snow and she made this trip every single day. And uh, we went ahead and picked her up and she told us a heartbreaking story. It was really sad, but we took her back to her family and she said she'd recently lost her father and her mother was doing the best that she could to get by with nine kids. I thought about her for years. Todd and I would talk about her whenever we get together and wonder how she's doing. But it finally led to me writing this song just Kazmina. Mm-hmm. 
Last night I sat on a mountain Where the rocks cut into the sky And the snow came down around me Suffocating the night A child stood before me As a valley spread out below Hungry, helpless and walking The mountain road alone The youngest child and I Daddy died in a coal On the mountain, only furs and jackpines. A little girl without a father, a wife without her love. Ten empty bellies in the winter ages home. Youngest child and I, Daddy died in a coal mine. probably heard me say a hundred times, but I grew up in this little town called Wanamaker, Indiana. We were a little farming community. We had one day a year when all the kids would ride their parents' tractors to school. We called it Tractor Day. We were very creative people. I was convinced that we were some kind of an artist colony because there were so many creative people in town. There were folks like my grandfather who played bluegrass music, and that's definitely an art form. And my dad liked to get drunk on Friday and Saturday nights and sing along to Jerry Lee Lewis records at the top of his lungs. I think that's a bit of an art form. And there was a strange woman who lived down the street who liked to walk out into the yard and paint pictures completely naked. And as a young teenage boy, I could definitely see the artistic value in that. But I had a great childhood. Every kid should be as fortunate as me to grow up like I did. I have nothing I could complain about at all. I had two parents that just loved me to death. I had a sister that always loved and got along with great, still do. 
When I was a kid, we had an aging bare knuckle boxer living in the house next to us who wasn't going through, he was going through some pretty bad times. And me and my dad would go over and watch wrestling. We'd watch Dick the Bruiser, you know, beat the Valiants and, uh, with this guy and just spent a lot of time with him. And I wasn't really sure why at the time, but, uh, you know, there was a pretty good reason. And I won't say too much about it. I'll just go ahead and let the song speak for itself. This is Ghost of Our Fathers. He was almost blind They say it happens when you've been punched too many times His hands were stone He was a bare knuckle champion in an earlier life It was hard not to stare had his busted up nose and cauliflower ears When he'd smile at me And say the toughest fighters have their souvenirs How to carry on When the hardest punch is thrown Take away the burden from our shoulders He lived next door It sometimes get with my father and talk about life And sit on the porch Drinking beer and remembering happier times I was a child I was far too young to ever understand What it meant to have a son Who'd been drafted and killed in Vietnam When the hardest punch is thrown Take away the burden from our shoulders My father and I Tried to keep him company so his mind could rest On Saturday nights Huddled around a black and white TV set We all stood and cheered When Holly knocked out Foreman that night in Zaire And later that night My father held his hand as he broke down and cried From the National Mall Crowded with names Of the thousands of children That never came home I stood in the rain Watching dozens of mourners Stumbling by When I saw his name I felt the ghost 
of our fathers kneeling at my side My favorite part of living in Nashville is being around the players, you know, the people who play instruments. You know, they're just some of the most talented people in the world. I think they're the most talented people in the town, the people who are standing behind people like me. Some of us get, you know, some measure of the limelight or whatever. Some of us get a lot of limelight. Some of us get a tiny bit. But these players hardly get any, and they're the people that really deserve it. These folks are so good. I'm really, really fortunate to get to record with some of them. I often say it's an embarrassment of riches. But um, on this record, I got together with my buddy Tom Yutz, who I've made the last couple records with over at his place. And, uh, you know, we decided we wanted to, you know, make another one. And we're talking about it. We're talking about who we'd like to have come play with us. And uh, Mark Fain had been part of the last couple records. He played bass, and he's just fabulous. And I wanted him involved. And we actually delayed recording for over a month just so we could get Mark involved. He's really, really busy. I wanted Paul Griffith. We were lucky enough to get Paul playing drums. And then uh, Fats Kaplan was actually able to play with us this time, and uh, that was great, did wonderfully. He played uh, pedal steel and some fiddle. And then we were trying to think of somebody who could play some, you know, some banjo and maybe some old-timey fiddle. And uh, Tom suggested Justin Moses. And I didn't know Justin at all, but uh, it was a great suggestion. Man, he was just fabulous. Great, great player. And a lot of these guys have way better gigs, you know, than uh, than just playing with me. So it's beautiful they took the time to come and make a record with me. And I, I'm very appreciative of that. And I really believe that having them involved in the record elevated everything, you know, because uh, they're just great players and they have great ideas. And I'm a very opinionated person, and I know exactly what I want and what I don't want. I'm not one of those guys that has to have someone else shape the uh, shape everything for me. So it's beautiful to be around guys that you already know you love the way they play. So everything that they're going to add is just going to be great. And that's really the way it was. It was an easy recording. We did one or two takes on everything, and maybe th- maybe there was one song we did three takes on. I don't really remember. But the second take would usually just be because, you know, I messed up. It's never because they did, or we would try a different tempo or something like that. It was just really easy. We would spend about 20 minutes recording a song, and it would be done. It would sound great. And then we'd sit around, and Mark would tell stories about Bill Monroe, you know, or he played for 18 years with Ricky Skaggs and for a long time with Alan Jackson before that. You know, so we'd hear stories like that. We'd spend 20 or 25 minutes recording the next song, and then it'd be done, and then we'd sit around and Paul would talk about the time he played with Hank Jr., you know, and tell us Bo Cephas stories. And, and uh, so it was just a lot of fun. No drama, which those of you know me know, know that I have no, I just have no need for drama at all in my life. I'm a very mellow person. So it was beautiful to work with people that were the same way. And like I said, I really think they elevated the record. And um, if you decide you want to, pick up a copy of this it's released on august 19th but you can get you know a copy from otisgibbs.com actually if you order from there amy and i get all the money and uh if you order from places like itunes you know or anywhere else online or at your local store we get a smaller portion but that's all right at least you got the music and um i'll leave you with this last song There's a place in southern Indiana where there's a tombstone sitting right in the middle of the road, and there's a woman buried there named Nancy Barnett. 
And it's a bit of Hoosier folklore. I've heard about it all my life, and I've often thought, man, I need to write a song about that. And it would be a perfect folk song, perfect bluegrass song. So I went ahead and I did the best that I could. Hopefully the song will tell the story. Thank you guys very much for putting up with this special episode. I really appreciate it. If you want to pick up a copy of the record, you can get it at OtisGibbs.com. If you've ever thought about supporting this show, this is a perfect time to do it. This is a perfect way to do it. Just pick up a copy of that record. And if you go to OtisGibbs.com, Amy and I get all the money. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn. They say they buried Nancy Barnett Up above the banks of Sugar Creek Since she always loved the hillside It became her final resting place For 40 years the grave sat silent Till a brand new road was being laid Workers came to Johnson County to build a bridge across the creek With orders at the grave Would be dug up and taken away And carried far from the hillside Overlooking the banks of Sugar Creek A man who claimed to be a grandson Stepped up and fired a warning shot And he vowed to kill the first man Who tried to move the family plot He stood for weeks beside her headstone And guarded the grave both night and day The workers tried to persuade him But he refused to be driven away he said, I'm a peaceful man But if you touch my grandma's grave Your blood will flow down the hillside All across the banks of Sugar Creek Sugar Creek